0: Hello, and you're very welcome to Maritime Ireland. This is Tom McSweeney with the Maritime Ireland radio show, the programme and podcast with the news, views, information and developments in Ireland's marine sphere. The sea around our coastline, our inland waters, our lakes and rivers are all part of Ireland's maritime culture, history, tradition, and development. Socially and economically vital to this island nation. So the Maritime Ireland radio show brings the maritime community together, and everyone is welcome aboard. Ireland's connection with the sea is as old as time itself. There are a thousand kilometres of inland waterways in Ireland, counting in both the Republic and Northern Ireland. That's a big resource, and the organisation responsible for managing those waterways has a strategic plan for the future, which we'll discuss with the chief executive of that body, John McDonough of Waterways Ireland.
1: We're a cross-border body, as you know, that we operate in Northern Ireland and Ireland. So there's a certain uniqueness there, and we stretch from Coleraine in Northern Ireland, the whole way down as far as Limerick, and right across to the Grand Canal Basin. So um, there's over a, a thousand kilometres of waterways.
0: To me, the maritime sphere is a wonderful part of Ireland, socially and economically, with great people involved who meet on the programme, from the statutory national organisations and the voluntary ones, regional and local. We'll hear from Garvan in County Waterford about the celebrations of 75 years of maritime history there. And while enjoying what the water has to offer, we'll discuss how important it is to know more and be aware of safety and how Ireland is one of the organisers of the first ever World
2: Drowning Prevention Day. Sadly, 76 people drowned. But this is the lowest number in a year since way back in 1936 when there were 73 drownings and a big reduction on 2019 when there were 105 people drowned in Ireland. John Leach, Chief Executive of Water Safety Ireland
0: and another example of how Ireland's maritime activities are leading the way internationally. We'll follow up on the Irish involvement in the latest Titanic expedition and have many other stories on this, the 17th edition of the Maritime Ireland radio show which is podcast and broadcast also on 18 community radio stations around Ireland. On our last edition, we talked to diver Rory Golden, descending to the depths of the North Atlantic Ocean on a new survey of the Wreck of Titanic. He's emailed the program from St. John's, Newfoundland, after the first leg of the expedition, to say things are going well with a new breed of submersible, as he describes it, named Titan, being used in an unforgiving and hostile environment. Fine-tuning, alterations and some repairs have been done after the first mission. We expect things to break, says Rory reports that there were two memorial services held for those who died, where he read messages from Belfast Titanic Society and the Adragul Titanic Society, recalling the 11 passengers from Adragul in North Mayo who didn't survive the Titanic sinking. We'll bring more information as it comes in from Rory. My website at tomacsweeneymarine.ie has photographs of the expedition from Rory Golden. The inland waterways are a wonderful resource, I recall hiring a cruiser at Carrick and Shannon and with the family spending thoroughly enjoyable days on the Shannon, proceeding along at a sedately pace and living life aboard. There's a lot happening on these waterways, of which Ireland, north and south, has a 1,000 kilometres. Two of the major developments are the Shannon Tourism Master Plan, a 10-year framework, and another is the restoration of the Ulster Canal and creating a greenway there. I discussed these developments and the future of the waterways with John McDonough, who's chief executive of Waterways Ireland. Uh,
1: the long-term plan is uh, something that is well formulated for Waterways Ireland to set the path of direction for the organisation for the next 10 years. We haven't had a long-term strategic plan before, so the thinking has tended to be a little is short-term. Um, the plan as it is presently um, sets out a scale of ambition, uh, and that ambition is to grow the value that we create for the public good, uh, a value at the moment is around 560 million euro per year, which is made up of economic, social, and environmental well-being good. Um, and we want to grow that to about a billion euro per annum. So that's the scale of ambition that we have. Um, we've identified six strategic priorities. Uh, one of those is obviously a bit, uh, attracting, um, recruiting, and securing more and more users to our assets. And our assets, I guess, are made up of on-water assets and off-water assets. So on-water, as you know, our, our rivers and our canals. Off-water, our, our blue ways and our greenways. So our goal there is to increase our user base. Uh, we've done some research in the last six months, and we've identified a segment of about 27% of the population in Ireland and Northern Ireland that uh, have not visited a waterway but have expressed strong preference and interest in visiting. So there's no doubt that there's a big segment of potential users out there and customers, and I guess that's our goal in terms of our long-term plan uh, to actually recruit more users to our waterways.
0: Well, there are two particular aspects I am um... If I find particularly interesting it's one is the Royal Canal Greenway proposal and the second of course is the Ulster Canal Restoration Project which for many years has been in discussion and is a really wonderful development. So let's just get your view on the Ulster Canal Restoration Project first Well
1: I'm delighted uh, at recent announcements so to, put, to put it simply The Ulster Canal Restoration Project came into a remit in 2007. It wasn't part of the original remit. And the remit, uh, it's important to say this, is that we uh, restore the canal as far as Clonus in County Monaghan. And that's important because it's not fully understood that the remit is to Clonus. Uh, Where we're at at the moment is we've completed a very small stretch of of the uh, restoration uh, piece, um, from uh, Loch uh, Ayrn to Castle Fondleton. That was completed in 2019. Uh, the recent announcement uh, of 12 million euro funding allows us to uh, put in place a stretch from uh, Clon to Clonus. Um, that's going to include a marina in Clonus. I'm working on that will start uh, pretty eminently. Uh, We have a planning expiry date that we're working towards, which is uh, mid-2023. So we expect that the bulk of that stretch will be completed by then. And that leaves a piece in the middle, I guess, we call phase three, which is from Castle Thaundersen to Tronfad. And where we're at on that right now is we have a team in place who are working through the detail in terms of costings, design. Um, and all of the, the necessary environmental and planning aspects that need to go into place. While that work is going on, we continue to engage with government, particularly the Shared Island Initiative within the Department of Taoiseach in relation to the funding requirement for it. So from a personal perspective, having been to Clonus, um, you know, looking around uh, a town, I guess, that probably needs some support. is being positioned uh, in a location where over time there have been, you know, difficulties, either economic difficulties or political difficulties. So clonists need support. So from that perspective, I was delighted at the funding announcement. And I think that the, that the construction of the restoration project will change um, that whole border region for the better. So I, I think for me personally, uh, really happy to see that progressing.
0: It's a marvellous project, and, uh, and certainly the restoration of something wonderful to see. Now, what about the Royal Canal Greenway?
1: Royal Canal Greenway was launched, as you, as you know, uh, in March. Um, it's the longest greenway in Ireland, 130 kilometres or so. Uh, long time coming, to be honest. So, work started uh, on, on that project probably as far back as 2010. Um, uh, the work uh, was a collaboration project with four local authorities, And I guess that's one of the things of a lot of the work that happens within Waterways Ireland, similarly with the Shannon Torres and Master Plan, where we worked with 10 local authorities. So we have a lot of strategic partnerships in place, and uh, that helps us to uh, deliver the final product. In the case of the Royal Canal Greenway, um, the product has now been launched, um, obviously with uh, restrictions. Uh, m- much much of the activity on it you know has been constrained in terms of distance, but that's now opening up. There are approximately 13 different stretches along the Greenway, ranging from short stretches of maybe five, six kilometers uh, to some that, that, that actually uh, run to about 13, 14, 15 kilometers. So uh, I guess the thing about it is is it's accessible by anybody. So you can walk, you can run, you can cycle, um, we're working currently on what I would call the animation of the Greenway. So, what I mean by that is uh, we're, we're working to make it more interesting, more educational, more informative for people um, as they actually get out and start to use it. Uh, from the feedback that we got in the launch in, in March, uh, it was a fantastic reception, and lots of people approached me in all kinds of media and channels. Uh, to talk about the Royal Canal agreement and how uh, uh, they're looking forward so much to actually having the opportunity to get out onto it.
0: One of the great things I found, and I, I really enjoyed the, the the inland waterways, although I'd be more of a sailor and, and 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 offshore in that. But getting the point you made, John, about getting the knowledge and the value and what's available in the inland waterways across to the public in general will be a great boost. To understanding the maritime advantages available in Ireland to the public?
1: I think we need to do more on that particular point that you're making, Tom. So, one of the things that's obvious to us is that we need more, we need to create more awareness around our brand as Waterways Ireland. We're a cross border body, as you know, so we operate in Northern Ireland and Ireland. So there's a certain uniqueness there and we stretch from Coleraine in Northern Ireland the whole way down as far as Limerick and right across to the Grand Canal Basin. So um, there's over a, a thousand kilometres of waterways. Uh, one of the things that I guess we find is that, you know, people go from coast to coast, if I could say it like that. They traverse the waterways while they're doing that in terms of transportation. And yet there's, you know, so much treasure around them. Uh, it's our job to try and build the brand and to build awareness uh, and to inform people more of the treasures that are already there, whether it's uh, you know, natural built or whether it's, 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 uh, it, it's developed in terms of the work that we're doing. Um, so we need to do more there. That's on our agenda. Communicating more broadly uh, the, the benefits and the attractions that already exist within the Waterways Network is something that we will address. Um, from the back end of this year forward, uh, we build uh, a new brand position, and we communicate um, much more broadly. Uh, to, as I said earlier on, to attract new users.
0: John McDonough, Chief Executive of Waterways Ireland, and quite a lot of encouragement there to people to be conscious of using and enjoying the inland waterways. Another development on the waterways is a response to the national housing crisis. Waterways Ireland is commissioning a feasibility study of underwater living on Ireland's canal network. There is, according to reports, increasing interest in houseboat living, But there aren't many residential moorings in Ireland for it, as far as we can ascertain, most seemingly being in the Grand Canal dock in Dublin, where there's more demand than can be met. Amongst my unpleasant sailing achievements, and which I have no wish to repeat, is being the most capsized sailor in Dungarvan Harbour in County Waterford. That was during a dinghy racing weekend many years ago when I could still fit into a 12-foot dinghy. Twice in two days, I capsized while jibing at the same mark. That's when the mainsail boom has to be swung from one side of the boat to the other, which can be difficult in strong, gusty winds. That experience came back to mind when Dungarvan Sailing Club Secretary Joey Miller called to tell me about their plans to celebrate the 75th anniversary of the founding of the club. That's back in August the 2nd, 1946, at a meeting in the town hall. When passing through the County Waterford town, where the harbour partially dries out, I've noted how well sailing has developed there with an impressive clubhouse and the pontoon which can host visiting yachts. Joey Miller has been telling me about their celebration plans for this August weekend.
3: This club was founded in 1946 on the 2nd of August in Dungarvan. And Bernard Mulcahy was the first commodore. Um, from then, uh, the clubs had a really active history um, with lots of racing. Originally, there were four big boats racing, and um, the Helvig fishermen from the Ring then they they joined in. And Paul's boat and Slattery's boat were very fast and often left the yachts from the from the sailing club for um, a poor second. From then, uh, there was a decline in club activity, but in 1959, there was a revived interest and members, including um, Austin Flynn, uh, they they took to building their own sailing boats, the 16-foot Storm Petrol, um, designed in 1941 by William D. Jackson, was the model that they went with, and um, the members... It was supposed to be built with marine clay, but the first ones were built with large planks, which made them very heavy. And the first boat was Village Girls, built and owned by um, John and Austin Flynn. By about the nineteen eighties the fleet numbers around forty two of these of uh, these boats, they were now being built in Marine Ply and in G R P. The last of the races of these storm petrols was on the twenty third of May two thousand and ten, when there was only five petrols racing. And I think the, the fleet was around forty two at, at the height of the activity. There was a break in racing for a while, but to mark our seventy fifth year we've um we've started another race so there's been a few boats participating in that up to around 10 I think at the moment and um, we have two classes uh, uh, for a large boats and one for a small boat so it's been fun so far to get back into the racing
0: I have good memories and interesting memories of Don Garvin, Joey because uh, in my younger days when I was dinghy sailing I got an award for being the most capsized sailor in Dungarvan Harbour when the vagabonds from Monkstown visited one weekend and there was very, very severe weather. So I've always been interested in passing by in Dungarvan. And you've done amazing things there. I mean, you know, for a drying-out harbour in places, you've got a pontoon, and you've become a visitor attraction as well. Um, yeah,
3: and I suppose the interesting um the interesting thing about that is, uh, you might not think it if you knew if you knew Dungarvan before, um, and the Greenway has brought so much to us, and we have the lovely clubhouse now down on the down on the harbour and um, and the pontoon, and we do get some visitors in as well, you know, who people who are sailing around Ireland.
0: And this year now, because of the 75, you're running a series of uh, events. Calling them tales of our tides. Outline what you're actually doing to mark the 75th.
3: We've had to kind of pare down what's going to happen, so the racing is going ahead anyway, and we're hoping to have an on-the-water treasure hunt and hopefully a raft-building competition and race. Um, and we'll see with the RNLI rest- uh, the duck race will be happening on the August Bank Holiday weekend as well. So we teamed up with the RNLI to to kind of you know to to get a more festive atmosphere with the weekend. Um, we hope that we'll be able to run fishing trips and Eunice Power has agreed to do a fishing cookery demonstration on the harbour. With the fish that, that is caught on the on the fishing trip. Again, I suppose we have to see you know crowds on the harbour. Um, we've teamed up then with the Waterford County Museum, um, and we got support from Creative Waterford. So we've got some funding from them to hold the Waterford Maritime History Project as part of this sale 75. So Willie Fair from the from the museum is going to do a walking tour, and he's teamed up with the Dungarvan Drama Circle. And so they've been um making character profiles of the various characters from Dungarvan's history. Uh there's Jesse Hartley, who was a Yorkshire engineer who who designed and built the bridge, um and he also designed the and the the Liverpool docks. But while he was here in Dungarvan working on the bridge, he fell in love with Ellen Penny, and they got married and moved back to Liverpool. So there are some of the characters that um, really will be telling people about on his walking tour. And then the, the Dungarvan drama circle will be reenacting um, some of the scenes based on these character profiles. Um, another character who will be making an appearance is uh, Abigail Maloney, who owns the, the Maloney stores there in the square. And she's quite interesting. She was around the 1870s, and. Um, you know, she founded the business herself and ran the business. Um, someone else then would be Captain Curran, who he he had his Curran's, which were, is now the Mooring's Pub, and he was he had a, a bar there and a, a, he was the coal merchant in shipping. There would be a few characters who would be who would be making appearances in Dublin on the August Bank Holiday weekend. Um, And as you mentioned, the Tales of Our Tides, it's a series of competitions, again, with support um, uh, from Creative Waterford with Waterford County Museum. The first one, we have a children's art competition and we have a a photography competition, which the photography competition is run mostly online. And people can enter their photographs of Dungarvan and the surrounding areas. with with the hashtag sales75 on social media. Uh, But I think for me, the most exciting part of that is the the community writing project. Um, And we're asking that people would, you know, write in with their memories or stories or poems on the theme Tales of Our Tides, and they can, they can send that in on the Sail 75 website, www.sail75.ie and the selected entries then will go towards, they'll be combined and published in a, like a community writing project in conjunction with the museum.
0: Joey Miller there, Secretary of Dungarvan Harbour Sailing Club, and marking their 75 years of history this August bank holiday weekend and a very interesting way of recording the history of the club and indeed maritime history in the area. And Dungarvan Sailing Club member Andy Miller who actually grew up on the shores of Lake Michigan has replaced Joan Clancy who's retired after 20 years as public relations officer at Dungarvan and Helvick fundraising branch of the Helvick head lifeboat station a great record, for which Joan has been awarded an RNLI Bronze Badge and a Long Service Medal. As always, there's been a lot of things happening on the marine scene since we were last with you. Dublin Ports' latest cargo figures show a shift in trading patterns post-Brexit. Before Brexit, two-thirds of freight moving out of Dublin went via British ports. Now that number has dropped and freight is evenly divided – and that includes trucks and containers, half going direct on shipping routes to continental Europe, and just half now to and via the UK. And the naval service is planning to mark its 75th anniversary in September, with fleet visits to Dublin and Cork ports that month, and Dun Galway, Limerick and Waterford later in the year. They'll be under the banner, meet the fleet, it's your navy. Disappointing news is that the Admiral Brown Museum at Foxford in County Mayo has closed, but perhaps it may only be temporary. COVID and funding issues are the problem. July 25 is the date for the first ever World Drowning Prevention Day, and John Leach, Chief Executive of Water Safety Ireland, is on the line to tell us
2: more about it. John, what's happening? Uh, Yes, Tom, that is an important development. There hasn't been a World uh, Drowning Prevention Day before, and it follows on from our joint move last April when Ireland and Bangladesh spearheaded the first ever United Nations Resolution on Drowning Prevention. The reason we joined uh, with Bangladesh was to help reduce drownings in lower and middle income countries. The official global estimate of 235 deaths per annum excludes drownings attributable to flood-related climatic events and water transport incidents, resulting in the under-representation of drowning deaths by up to 50% in some countries. Now, looking over our statistics at home for last year, which are a stark contrast to the world uh, drowning figures, sadly, 76 people drowned, but this is the lowest number in a year since way back in 1936 when there were 73 drownings and a big reduction on 2019 when there were 105 people drowned in Ireland. By comparison, the population of Ireland in 1936 was just under 3 million when there would have been less involvement in aquatic activities than today, when there is a population nearing 5 million and with very many people involved in a variety of aquatic activities. The public attitude to the importance of of safety on the water has changed, and all the agencies involved have done a lot to develop that. The Irish Coast Guard, the Orndal the Community Rescue Boats, Fire Services, Lifeguard Service and safety programmes in our schools. Still, 76 deaths by drowning in a year is too many. The majority, 50 were male, and this aspect I pointed out previously, more men die from drowning. 26 females drowned. 44 of the 76 drownings last year were accidental, and that was 18 fewer than in 2019, when 62 drowned accidentally. Suicide continued to be a factor, being the cause of 28 deaths, though again, that was 9 fewer than in 2019. Looking at the geographical spread by province, the most were in Munster with 28, 21 drownings were in Connacht, 19 in Leinster and eight in Ulster, which is essentially Donegal. It might be thought that last year's decrease in drowning was because of the pandemic lockdown, but that was early in the year when aquatic activity is normally low. The Coast Guard coordinated more incidents, 2643, last year, in comparison to 2,490 incidents in 2019. And there was more interest in aquatic activities overall. So with continuing restrictions on overseas travel and more holidaying at home, the beaches, lakes and rivers are more popular than ever. So care on the water is essential and the key message is personal responsibility for your own safety on the water.
0: John Leach there, chief executive of Water Safety Ireland, and with interesting statistics there showing that despite the welcome reduction in deaths from drowning, that more men continue to die by drowning than women, and that 29 suicides in Ireland were carried out by drowning last year. Worldwide, there are 235,000 drownings every year, according to the United Nations figures. Down Limerick and Clareway, the Shannon Hydroelectric Scheme, which led to the establishment of the ESB in 1927, was a major development to harness the power of the River Shannon at a time when the country had the second lowest consumption of electricity in Europe. Now I hear the ESB is undertaking a feasibility study looking at how a heritage tourism project could be developed at Ardna to attract a wide range of visitor interest. There's been considerable interest in such a project for some time, I'm told, with representations about it having been made by local organisations and politicians to the ESB. With that news, we end this edition of the Maritime Ireland radio show, which is broadcast on 18 community radio stations around Ireland. CRY 104 FM Yale, West Cork FM, Bear Island Radio, UCC Radio in Cork. And in Dublin on Newer FM, Dublin City FM, Liffey Sound and Dublin South. In Galway on Connemara Community Radio and Kinvara FM. On Dundalk FM on Athlone Community Radio, on Kilkenny City Radio and in Mayo on Community Radio Castle Bar and RSFM Belmonded. On Southwest Clare Radio, Radio Cocker Boschkeen. on West Limerick 102fM and Tip Midwest Radio in Tipperary, and with podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Mixcloud, Spotify, and the Marinetimes.ie. Wherever you’ve been listening, thank you for being part of the Maritime community. The program website is at tomacsweeneymarine.ie. That’s tomacsweeneymarine.ie or look up Maritime Ireland Radio show. Our email address is MaritimeIrelandRadioShow at gmail.com. That's MaritimeIrelandRadioShow at gmail.com. Your views on the marine sphere are very welcome. Our phone and text number is 872 197 That's 872 197 sound supervision on the program by Justin Marr. Until our next program, you can follow me for more marine news daily on Twitter at TomAxweeney and on my blog on the website at TomAxweeneyMarine.ie Until our next broadcast, the usual wish of fair sailing.